Hey friends, and welcome to You Deserve to Love Your Job with me, Arlene Pace Green. My goal is to help you identify and achieve your greatest aspirations and have a lot of fun along the way. I'm so glad you've joined me on this journey. Let's go. I am so excited to let you know that the You Deserve to Love Your Job book is available. It's in paperback and Kindle. I wrote the book for anyone who is looking for more purpose, more meaning, and more joy in your work and life. Filled with examples, quizzes, and experiences from real people, including me, and the book lays out a roadmap to help you clarify your purpose and create an action plan to achieve it. Go get it. It's available on Amazon. Hey friends, and welcome to today's podcast. Today, you'll have the chance to hear a conversation I had with Dr. Brian Crew. Brian and I have been friends since middle school, and he's probably been advising and coaching me for that long. <laughs> Brian is a certified leadership and life coach and has a PhD in industrial organizational psychology. For over 20 years, he has been helping organizations, leaders, teams, and individuals, including myself, improve themselves and their performance so they can achieve their goals. I know you're gonna enjoy this fun conversation on such a practical topic, interviewing for your dream job. Enjoy. Well, thank you all so much today for joining today's podcast. And I am very excited you get to hear from Dr. Brian Crew. And Brian, you know, you and I have a crazy similar path. So I'm just gonna share with the audience a few of the things we have in common. Um, we went to middle school together, actually at Sims. Went to high school together, Kikatan. Went to undergrad together at James Madison University. Shout out to JMU. Then I was thinking about this. I don't even know if we both knew we were going to similar grad school programs, but we both went to graduate school in industrial and organizational psychology, which is a very specific area. Right. Um, <laughs> we both graduated with a PhD. Brian was at Bowling Green. I was at Old Dominion, but still, you know, both graduated with PhDs from Iowa psychology programs. And then we both worked in organizations for a couple decades, you know, doing different kind of Iowa psychology work. And then I'm super thankful that then you started your own business, which really gave me the courage to do it as well. Cause I was like, oh my God, we can do this. Brian's really doing this. So then that gave me courage to do it as well. So now we both have our own businesses. And part of that business, at least part of the time, we both serve as coaches. So we have been together a very long time doing a lot of very similar things for a very long time. So I super appreciate you joining today to just share some of your insights and wisdoms around kind of interviewing and landing the dream job. So thank you for joining. I'm actually very happy to be here. And I want to say you also inspired me or at least gave me the confidence to leave. You said something and I wrote it down in case you forgot it. You said, um, well, you know, if you run into hard times and you can't eat or something, you know, you can call me and tell them we'll probably help you out. And I was like, I got at least a few meals. <laughs> I got you. I got <laughs> you on some meals. I feel like I can do this. <laughs> I got you on some meals anytime. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I it's just funny how so much similarities we've had in our careers and our career paths. And I know I've told you this before, but just so the audience knows as well, I've always told you that you are the best coach I know. Like Brian is amazing at asking really powerful questions, making you think deeply about what you want and how you get there. Has coached me on becoming a coach because moving from 
corporate where I really did more consulting, some coaching, but more consulting, which is kind of telling people what to do to coaching where you're trying to help them figure out what they want to do is really different. So just thank you for your courage, your starting the business, your advice, your guidance for me in this business as well. And thank you for joining today's podcast to talk about a topic that I know is super important to everybody. Thank you for that, Arlene. That's really means a lot coming from you. And Iron Sharpers Iron, I think you know I'll call you whenever I have a question because it's a safe place from a brilliant mind. So it's like, Aww. you know, that's how I feel. That said, I'm so glad that we don't have to interview for our ideal jobs anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that That's real talk because interviewing can be stressful. Let's be real. Since I've been coaching, uh, the one thing I have been noticing or one of the things I've been noticing is that so many people are in uh, on the fast track to the top and they really don't stop and ask themselves, and where am I going and why am I going here? Is this what I want? And they don't really figure out whether it's their ideal job, right? They just start um, moving up and trying to impress so they can go to the next job and so they can get a bonus and so they can get a high rating so they can be marketable. Yeah. And I was like, marketable for what? For the sake of what? Why are you staying late? for a job that you don't necessarily love right now. So you can get another job that's going to give you more of what you don't necessarily love right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so what if you got a job that you love? <laughs> what if you got a job that's ideal of your dream job? And so like, I even think of it this way. So like, if it's a continuum, at one end is the job my, my the job I dread and the other one is the job I dream about. Mm -hmm. Are you moving to that, the higher end of the dream about continuum? And I don't mm -hmm. know if like most people are mindful of that. They're chasing dollars. They're chasing prestige and maybe prestige and dollars are a part of that job. But so many people I, I meet or I'm coaching, they're like 40, 45, even 35. Um, and they're like, you know what? I hate this job. <laughs> I, feel, I feel trapped. And there's so many reasons they feel trapped. I feel like I feel trapped. I, I got a mortgage now that mm -hmm. I can't go down to what I loved three jobs ago because now I can't afford my house or my spouse is, uh, quit their job now yep. because I make so much money or I got to pay for so-and-so's college or my parents are depending on me. And mm -hmm. you let them get in these positions around you um, where you could afford to, 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 to help them. And you, know, you realize, I don't want to afford this anymore. I hate this job. So I really want to empower people to um, be prepared to get their dream job. And so that's why I wanted to talk about this because I just think, uh, let's get to you before you're 45 and you're regretting the last 25 years. <laughs> right. I mean, I think that, I think even the scale you talked about is a really good place to start, which is between dread and dream, like dread. I literally wake up and I, you know, I never had a job that was like that for a long period of time, but I've had it for short periods of time where it's like, I wake up and you're thinking, Oh my God, <laughs> the last thing I want to do is go in here and do this job and see these people kind of dread to dream, like figuring out honestly where you are on that spectrum. Mm -hmm. yeah. And then I love what you're saying. Like, how do I just move towards, you know, my dream job, even if it's not going from A to Z, it's like, how right. do I just move towards it at least? Um, yeah. Cause even a step towards it can really change kind of how you live and your absolutely, absolutely the way I, I i try to help people think about it is uh are the tasks that you do on a daily basis typically things you love to do are the people you're going to be working with people that you want to be working with and love to be working with uh does that climate and culture in that organization or that team you'll be working on fit your lifestyle and the way you like to behave and like and, and how you like to be um like some people will say like i don't like to be around people then probably telework is <laughs> a better job for you that's more closer to your to your dream job but those are kinds of questions. Um, does the supervisor leadership style fit your own? 
you know, the way you like to be led. People think, well, you get stuck with the leader that you want. But the truth is, most people leave your jobs because of what supervisors think. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have a best friend or somebody that you think you could gravitate towards? So do the people at that type of job, do they fit you? Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the other, that's the main reason people stay is because they like or they have a best friend in the workplace. And that, you know all this stuff, are they? <laughs> but those are things I, that, that are the beginning. Um, do the values of the organization align with their own values? And people forget that one. Um, and rightfully so, because a lot of organizations espouse values and they don't really adhere to them. But you can figure some of this stuff out when you start interviewing. Because when you ask about situations that are happening in the organization, you can see which values are reflected. So you don't have to just look at you can You can even quiz them and say, like, I noticed things in your value statement. Can you tell me about a time when uh, you saw these values in play in the workplace? So the thing I'm going to be asking people to do today or when they go out and do their interviews is to be more assertive. Uh, right now, we're very passive in our in our interviews. We we answer questions and we try to sell ourselves, but we should be information seekers in that interview. We should be selecting organizations. Um, it really helps the organization as well as your stuff, right? You need to figure out, is this the job for me? Is this the organization for me? Is this the hiring uh, manager for me? Do I want to work here? Do they deserve me? Is this the best fit? How close is this to my dream job? Is it higher along that continuum than I am in now? Those are the things you, you want to be asking about so you can make sure you're moving up that ladder towards the dream job. Not just about the money, because that could be one of your criteria, but uh, not just that, because slightly well-known fact, not at all, <laughs> is that money doesn't really make us that much happier once we hit a certain mark. And I, a few years ago, it was like 90 some thousand dollars, but it's really geographically based too. It takes hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars to move you up the needle to, to be happier. So reality is um, if you make $100,000 or if you make $50,000 and you go up $5,000, probably not enough to make you substantially happy enough to deal with the bad boss or do mm-hmm. the tactics that you don't really love every day. So ask the questions. And truth is, uh, you're, you got to be bold. You got to be ready. You got to do some preparation for this type of interview because mm-hmm. people aren't ready for it. They're used to being in the power seat and you telling them all, the, all their answers to their questions and trying to sell them. They're used to critiquing what you're saying. You don't have to be dis- disrespectful when you do it. In fact, I, I suggest that you explain what you're doing. And this is how I say you, suggest, you, you do it. You just tell them, hey, you make it about them. Hey, guys, um, I actually have a few questions for you as well, because I want to make sure that I'm a good fit, because you know how horrible it is if somebody comes in here and they don't really stay. And you got to go through this whole process all over again. Mm-hmm. So I want to make sure that I'm a good fit for this job. Um, there's a few jobs I'm interviewing for. If that's true, tell them that. If it's not, you know, there's lots of jobs out there, and I just want to make sure I choose, make the right choice. So do you mind if I ask you a few questions? If they tell you no, which would be weird, then you know you don't want to work there. I'd be like a red flag, right? <laughs> red, 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 red flag, flag. yeah. That's a red flag, yeah. yeah. In fact, if they, if they, if they, like you said earlier, they're put off by too many of your questions, that tells you something about the organization. If that hiring manager or that recruiter is like, how dare you, or you're asking too many questions, then that means they don't see you as having... Uh, being important and they have a role in your life. They think you should be more passive than maybe you want to be in an organization because you have to manage your career. You're the captain of your career, right? And your life. So um, I just say, don't let them dictate what's going to happen. You've got to ask the right questions. You don't want to be in a job for three to six months before you figure out, oh, now I see. <laughs> this is not a good fit for me. And your second, that other dream that was higher from your dream ladder is now filled. Yeah, that, I mean, that is so true and honestly it's really different like <laughs> i think about how i interviewed for most of my jobs and 
you know, even I'm thinking what I recommended for Lauren, my daughter, who was interviewing for a job, which was not her dream job, but, you know, in for, for interviewing for a job. I think most of us probably had guidance around, like, not the, to your point, not the assertive approach, but the approach of answer these questions, try to answer them in a way that they want to, they want to hear, like you're trying to get in their heads a little bit around, let me try to say what I think they want to hear. Like just very almost completely focused on the interviewer and not as focused on you. And it sounds like what you're recommending is a more balanced approach. Yes, you have to give them what they want, but you also should be asking questions that help you understand and help them understand, is mm -hmm. this really a good fit or not? I mean, it's, it's all more authentic. It is more assertive and probably a more honest way of interviewing. Mm -hmm. And I, if I look back as when I was a manager, I think I would have loved that. Like, I yeah. think that person would have stood out to me. I would have been like, you know, this person is serious about this work. It's not just one of 12 other interviews they're going on. I love what, what you said there. It's, it's much more honest, I feel like. And it does empower the manager. If you're telling the truth about, well, I actually like to work this way. And I'm telling the truth and I'm telling you the truth. Mm -hmm. So you can also cut me if I'm a bad fit. Right. Or I'm not a fit, right? Because I don't have any interest in coming to an organization where you're going to be constantly telling me I'm failing or I'm, I'm disappointing you, right? So yeah. tell them the truth. Now, I say that also recognizing I'm speaking from a place of privilege, right? Well, sometimes, let's keep it real. Sometimes you just need a job. Yeah, right. Exactly. You yes. Need to sell yourself. But yeah. when you have a job and you're not hungry and you can keep mm -hmm. your bills paid, mm -hmm. that's when you're going to be going for your dream job, going up mm -hmm. the ladder towards that dream job, right? This is not the interviewing technique for somebody who's like, I got to pay the bills and we don't have, I don't have a job and I've been out of work and the babies right. are hungry or my parents need new shoes or whatever. No, yeah. this is for people who have a job. I, don't, I want you to jump off that rat race and, and get off that fast track and figure out, okay, what's better for you next? Follow yeah. the other stuff. The other stuff Arlene was talking about, did she taught did she taught her daughter, <laughs> she taught Lauren about interviewing when you're trying to get the job. You know, go in there and get an A on all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like me. That's kind of, <laughs> that's exactly what I said. And to your point, it wasn't, I think that's a big distinction about are you interviewing for a dream job or are you interviewing for a job? At the point, right. you know, being a college student, she was unemployed. And I was like, you need to get employed. <laughs> yeah. So I need you to go. But but I see what you're saying. Like it, yeah, it it depends on where you are right now. And mm -hmm what your circumstances are in terms of how much freedom you have to go in, in this more honest, assertive approach. Exactly. Exactly. That is really refreshing. Honestly, I, I do think if someone would have stood out to me, especially in, um, yeah, I mean, the roles I was interviewing for, which were kind of specialist roles where you're looking for people with very specific skills, specific backgrounds. I absolutely think I would have been impressed by that as a manager. I would have felt like you took it seriously, you know? So what do you think someone might do if they want to kind of interview with this approach? What might you do to prepare to be able to be honest, authentic, assertive in the interview? Like what are some things you recommend people do to prepare? I like to get grounded before I go into the session, because again, when I say get grounded, I just mean uh, being a good and confident state of mind before you go into that meeting. Mm -hmm or that interview, because um, this is unfamiliar. We're used to, like I said, being passive. So you might be asking your own stuff, your own gremlins in your head are saying like, who do you think you are, right? Yeah. And, and they might even be thinking that for a second, right? Mm -hmm. So get your, your story straight while you're doing this. Have that down pat. So when you go in there and you explain it to them, it's easy for them to take in, which is like, you know, like I said, like we said, like 
I just want to make sure I'm asking and I understand asking the right questions and understand if I'm a fit. So that's why I'm asking these questions so that I can save your time and, and, and my time. Mm-hmm. You know, you make it about both of you. But beyond that, you need to know what you want and what is your dream job? You know, what moves it up that ladder? A lot of people don't know that. Like I said, a lot of people just think um, it's more prestige or it's it's higher in the, mm-hmm. in, the, in the organization or I'll become a manager and then they hate people <laughs> or, or um, it pays more money. Or they say things like, um, as long as I don't have to telework or as long as it's closer to home or I don't want a cubicle anymore. And it's like, those are factors, but figure out really what do you love and, and, and wait on even. Like, so like, you can actually wait on write down like lots of factors that have to do with a job and then wait them. Like give it a high, medium, a lower, or one through a 10, mm-hmm. but just get some clarity on what those factors are that matter to you. For instance, for me, I like challenge on a job. So I need to be challenged. Not so challenged that I'm sweating every day, but like something that's going to challenge me a little bit. And then I like to make an impact that matters in the world. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to do something that's like uh, just to make money. Mm-hmm. It needs to be trying to better the world in some kind of way. It could be government. It could be nonprofit. It can be for, 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 for profit, like pharmaceutical companies when you're actually trying to make something good for the world, as opposed to trying to make money, that would excite me. You wouldn't want to know that. So it's like, what matters most to you? If you know your purpose, that's great. If you know your values, that's great. Leverage those. Do, do, do the organizations that you're applying for or the teams reflect the values that you have so that you know that you're a good fit there? And um, sometimes people ask, like, how do I know if they reflect those values? You just ask them. Um, be a little bold. Say, hey, I noticed that um, the values in your corporation say this. Can you tell me about a time where you've seen those values put in play in the organization? Or you can just give them your own values, especially the ones that matter the most to you. The mm-hmm. ones that I think back to when you were really frustrated in a job, what value did they violate that made you frustrated and want to quit? And then ask them about that. So, hey, fairness is really important to me. Mm-hmm. Can you tell me about a time where... Uh, you had to, fairness was that issue and you had to make a decision and how you, how you made that decision, you know? So give them the situational questions so that they can't just make it up and say, yeah, fairness is important to me too. Right. <laughs> you know, make sure, yeah. do the same thing they're doing to you when they give you those situational questions. Make sure you give them a situational question where they, you know, they can prove to you and you can assess, okay, do I call this fairness? Was this a good decision in my opinion? Would I be okay with this kind of decision? So those are some things to think about ahead of time to get prepared. You just got to know yourself. That's the biggest piece, know yourself. And then I guess the other piece is just getting calm and settled for the meeting. So I like to tell people, take a 10-minute walk uh, around the block or something. If your block is calm, I know everybody's block is not calm. If you have a backyard and that's calm, or you can, I know somebody who sits under their desk and I know somebody else who sits in their closet and they put them in the headphones because their kids are running around mm-hmm. or, their, or their employees are constantly coming into their um, office and they get that time and they just listen to a, a very peaceful piece of music for them or their favorite piece of music. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have another client who plans her vacation for 10 minutes before any meeting that's going to be important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's, that brings her to a creative and calm place. So I say that to say mindset. You just want to manage your mindset. And then the other thing is to say, okay, so I already have a job. So if this isn't the one, the one, isn't the one for me, then I haven't lost anything. Yeah, going in more of an uh, abundance mindset than just scarcity like I need if you if you're not in that position of needing it sometimes we can really you can work that up in your mind even if you mm-hmm. don't need it you can kind of go yeah. in like I gotta win like uh and that puts you in a different mindset and a different even energy that you take in as opposed to you know I really want to see if this is a good fit for both of us 
Um, I agree with you. Yep. Yep. I love that scarcity versus the abundance mindset. Yep. That's exactly it. We go in with the scarcity mindset way too much. So to think this is a job opportunity. It's not the end and all and all be all job opportunity. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that's kind of that's all I, all I have to say on that question, Arlene. Yeah, <laughs> that's super helpful. You know what I was thinking too around just knowing what you want. Like I know one of the things, like you were saying, you like to do work that contributes to the world, like makes the world mm-hmm. better. And I know I like to do work that makes like makes people better, individuals. Like I like helping individuals like figure out what they want to do, attain their biggest dreams and aspirations. Like I like to support individuals. Um, and if that connects to a cause, all the better. So yeah. just knowing that there are like a couple jobs, like, you know, I love being in this business. I love so many things about it, not just the work, but the flexibility. I mean, so much, but there's like a couple jobs that I thought, you know, if that came open, that might be so close to what I love to do that I might, you know, like that you might yeah. do it. There's like yeah. two or three yeah. of those that yeah. I'm like, you know, like I always think about like world vision or someone who's like helping hungry children. You yes, know, I'm like, I, now, yeah. I was going to go and do something. Yeah, you know, there are a few of those. But to your point, it starts with really knowing, knowing you and what moves you and what is a dream kind of every day for you mm-hmm. and seeing if that's a match. Um, so I could see how that's super important. You have to know what you want or else you won't even know it when you see it. You know, I, I have to remind myself all the time to be open when people, people will contact me. And they'll say, hey, I thought this job for you. Yeah. And I'm like, I have my own business. Don't, are you trying to say I'm failing? <laughs> and I'll get defensive. <laughs> and yeah. then I realize, why don't you look at it? There might be something to you because you would enjoy more than what you're doing now. Yeah. Um, and then I also have adapted the the, the uh, interviewing for your ideal job or your dream job to a little bit of a dream client, dream dream gig. And at um, my age, I know who I, how I am now. And 10 years from now, I'll probably be a little different and, and my and my dream job is going to change. And I think that's the other thing people don't think about too. Don't apply for five years ago as a dream job. When you're 25, uh, you probably have an ideal job. When you're 35, if that job comes open, it might not be the right job for you anymore. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. And, and sometimes it's just like life change. It's like you had a kid you're, you're, or, or you had a divorce. And what you want, and or just I help the world enough, now I want to work more with individuals or vice versa. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I have a lot of colleagues also who um don't want to lead anymore, and they were stellar leaders, and they're just yeah. like you know what after kids and leading people, um not to do the same, but they can be sometimes. Um, yes. <laughs> they, yes. they, they were like, I just want to be an individual contributor for the next twenty five years. Yes, I mean, I get that. Like you know, actually, when I started this business, I thought that was one of the things I was going to love the most. Like I thought I was like, oh, you know what, you kind of free yourself from some of the whether it's leading people, staff meetings, like some of the things that go along with being a part of a a large team. But I learned pretty soon on, I was like, oh my God, I miss those people. (laughs) Like I actually love a team. I love Mm -hmm. peers. I love people reporting to me. I love reporting to somebody. Like I I actually really miss that. And that took me a while to adjust to. But to your point, you don't want to just like go after the next thing that's Mm -hmm. on the list because Mm -hmm. that may or may not be what's important to you. And I think that's really, um, that can be challenging to navigate even in organizations where people are expecting you to move to the next level, you know what I mean? Yep, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. how you navigate that so that maybe you can do what you want in that place, but not be forced into a role you don't want is, you know, can be a little tricky, but yeah. So let me ask you this. So you're, 
you're in the room, you kind of prepared, you have your questions, you know who you are, you're able to navigate the interview in a way that, like you're saying, both needs are met. You know, I'm able to get my questions answered. I'm able to provide them what they need, which honestly, this is the other thing I was thinking before I go to this next question. I think that's even more important the more senior roles get, because the more senior they get, the more risk it feels like in the role because of maybe the salary or the, you know, scope that person has, scope of responsibility they have in the job. And I remember going on an interview for a job and it was probably too senior for me, honestly. It was probably like a couple levels beyond where I should have been interviewing, but someone had asked me to come in and interview. And that's what they were looking for. Like they were looking for me to tell them who I was, what I was looking for, and how I would bring that to bear for their organization. And they were looking for me to be assertive and I really look, went in looking to answer questions. <laughs> so, so I remember the first question that Jill would ask me in the interview was like, oh, you know, I had my, I'd look at my resume. I knew my background. I knew what my experience is. Mm-hmm. And the first thing he says, I don't want to talk about anything on your resume. And like threw my resume to the side, you know, I was mm-hmm. like, well, <laughs> what are we going to talk, you know, talk about? Yeah, all yeah, this? Yeah. I was so like immediately sweating. I was like, oh my God. And the first question he said, well, let me tell me who you are. I was thinking, I don't know. <laughs> I really hadn't done enough thinking to have thought uh-huh. about that. But I just mm-hmm. says to say, not only could it help you, I think the more senior the position you're in, it also may help you show up better because I think that's more what people are. The more senior you get, the more risk there is in these roles, the more they're concerned they are about the matching. And I think honestly, people are looking for that more. They're looking for you to tell them who they are, you know, who you are, um, even more so than maybe when you first start out. I feel like I agree 100% with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's been my experience yeah, is that um, they expect for you to be more assertive. They expect for you to know who you are. Like I do a whole section in the workbook on just like questions to help you figure out and exercise to help you figure out who you are. So mm-hmm. when someone is actually tell me who you are, you can tell them, but also, but even more, and, and even more importantly, so you know, so that you can make sure that you're fit, right? And, and, and identify that ideal job. But yeah, I 100% agree with you on that one that, yeah, um, the higher you go up, the more clarity you need to have on that because they are expecting more from you. They, they, and mm-hmm. you also find yourself, I think, a lot of times in, in meetings with your peers. And mm-hmm. so um, it's a lot less passive. And sometimes it'll be, um, you get in those C-suite positions, you get sometimes interviewed by your deputies, well, people who will be your deputies mm-hmm. um, because they're senior enough to see what they need. And so they are looking for you to take some charge in those sessions. So exactly. Something else came to mind, Vic, don't you said though, which is like, I have this one client who is... Um, Really, really in a high level position um, for a, I wouldn't even say what it's for, but it's a helping profession, right? She felt realized, mm, I love this work, but at my level now, this is not enough, right? Mm-hmm. And so all of my work was geared to helping her figure out, okay, what's ideal for you now? What's that dream job for you now? And when we got there, six months later, she was gone. She was like, oh no, I figured out what I wanted to do now based on our questions. And, um, it just took some time and, and for me to get over the fear, mm. for me to get over the fear of whether or not I can do this, whether or not um, I'll, I'll be able to fit into the new place. And even the fear of success, like mm. real success, like real success, how I define success is getting what you want minus what you have been programmed to think you want. So what we really think we want, what we really want versus what we think we want, you know what I mean? Um, so she was struggling with that and when she got okay with that it's like okay I'm gonna move and then she was in a good part in her life as well um again a place of privilege where her kids were grown 
I think going for the ideal job is scarier for people who are single parents who are or or, or sole income uh, families. It's like, do I have the right to do this? Will it cost my family to do this? Do I just need to make sure I get whatever job pays me more? Um, and then I like to say to those people, you know, okay, so what message are you sending to the people who you love? Yeah. Especially when there's little ones involved. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, so you're sending them a message that tells them it's okay to suffer every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or, or, that, I or, mean, and let's be real. There are a lot of us as parents probably sending that message to our children from our work. Like right? that's you, what work is, is like, yeah, you got a whole book on it, you know, <laughs> work, work is suffering. I mean that I hadn't thought about that way, but I mean, if you think about how, but to your point, sometimes we're sending our children the wrong message that yeah, work is suffering. And that, that has to be valued or somehow weighed out in that equation of, do I want to stay here or not? Um, it makes me think about, you know, so many of us aim for the middle of the continuum and that's our ending point. So mm-hmm. it's like, I want to have a lack of suffering. And then, okay, I'm good. I'm not suffering anymore. They don't even care for the, I want to smile when I'm going, I'm going into work and smile on the way coming home. You know, or even more than that, I want to be jumping up and down to go to work and, and dancing on the way home, right? Yeah. We don't even dare to dream about that. It was like, okay, I just want the absence of suffering. That's all. <laughs> that is so true. Because I think that's what we think. we Because we think of work as suffering, if we're just not suffering, it's like a lot of people feel like you're winning. <laughs> it's like, well, at right, least my right. boss isn't terrible. You know what I mean? It's like, at least, at least I can work from home. That's, right. come up with, you know what I mean? It's like, well, at uh-huh, least uh-huh. I can do this. And you're right. It's more like getting to neutral, but it hasn't really pushed us into, okay, where's the real joy in this for real? That's a really good point. I, I have, uh, I have some clients who told me the reason they don't go for what they really want is because they're happier they'll lose it. And it's, and that's something I found coaching people across the board they they not just jobs but everything they're, they're afraid to if i get it what if i love it and then i lose it so i just rather never have it oh. mm. um and it's like interesting so i want i want i just want to live a mediocre life because mm-hmm. if life gets too good i might miss it yes i might get accustomed to this loving this way mm-hmm. and then i lose it and now i know what i've missed essentially oh wow yeah i don't want that ben and jerry's give me that store brand because if it's too good and they don't have it in next week i'm gonna be mad <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i don't get accustomed life. to it <laughs> i'm still eating duplex cookies because you know them oreos might be too tasty <laughs> Right. I can't go there. Right. I mean, yes, I could see that. I could totally see that because then we don't wear, I could see the fear in that. I don't know if I would have thought about that way, but I absolutely can see the fear in that. Yeah, I laugh at it and I make fun of it, but um, mostly because I think we as humans are ridiculous, including myself. Yeah. That's ridiculous. (laughs) Yes, Um, we really have to challenge ourselves. Yeah, yeah, we got to challenge ourselves to get out of our crazy thinking and all of us have it. I think if you've never challenged yourself to get out of your crazy thinking, I, I'm scared of your life <laughs> <laughs> because we're just naturally we we take on these crazy thought patterns, right? Yeah. And it mm-hmm. takes somebody or something to help us get out of them. And I know for me, I get to laugh at myself all the time because I think, oh, I freed myself for these, and then bang, <laughs> <Yes. laughs> another one comes along. Yeah. So let me ask you this then: any tips on like anything different you do from a follow up standpoint? Like you've had the interview, the interview's over. Um, any tips absolutely. you can give people on Absolutely. So I think following up can be more important. Um, I don't know that you have to do anything different, but you have to do it. Some people don't do it 
um, and it's fine. I think in this case, it's probably more important to show that you uh, you appreciate their time and, and, and just to hammer in the pieces that you thought were great about them. Because again, in this case, you're being much more assertive um, than they're probably used to in many cases. So you want to let them know that I am a personable person who appreciates others as well. You don't have to worry about me coming in here and appearing and being arrogant. Mm-hmm. I do appreciate everything that you You might even want to share what you saw that you were impressed with. But it's also okay to let them know if you found that it wasn't a fit. Don't use this as an opportunity to stroke your ego. Yeah. Be, be <laughs> a decision, right? So don't yeah. wait for the, the, the yes just to see how it was. If you know you're not a fit, tell them. Because you never know. There might be another job that comes up later on where you are fit with those same people or that person that hired a manager who you might've liked might go somewhere else and be hiring again and see and have a position. And it's like, Oh, you know, I, I am a fit here. Um, but yeah, just make sure you follow up. And and then all the usual stuff too. Like I said, like, you know, if they ask you for work examples or something like that and, and, and you can't think of it in the moment, you can always send an example of something that you did that's really glowing and send that to them so they can say, Oh yeah, you definitely can do it. So you want to do all the other stuff. It's just more important to make sure you follow up is what I would say. And just the idea, like, I don't think I've ever done that. Um, Done an interview and then sent the person note and said, thanks so much. You know, this probably isn't a great fit. I really appreciate your time. Because I think I've always been in the mode of like, let me get the offer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Just get the offer and then I'll decide. But you're right. Sometimes you walk out of interviews and you're like, that's not, I mean we're not a match, you know, for whatever reason, the work or the, just the culture or whatever it might be. So that's really interesting. That's also very kind of empowering. It's like, Mm -hmm. we're both figuring things out. So Mm -hmm. if I figure out it's not a fit as a candidate, anybody, I mean, even one of us can figure out it's not a good fit. So, you know, Oh, I love that. It's changing and crystallizing your mindset, right? So that um, you're reaffirming, I am a decision maker in this process too. And the other thing it does is it, it, it takes the temptation off the table because they might come back with a killer package <laughs> for something that you don't really want to do and somewhere that you really don't want to be. Right. Yes. Don't yes. don't let you, you know, you know, don't let yourself mm-hmm. um be enticed to something that's not for you, right? So I I, I say they say they because a lot of times people will recognize your greatness. Mm-hmm. They'll say, Oh, this person is a star and we need to they they didn't seem that thought on us. Or they're super highly marketable. Did you see the question they were asking us? They have options. So let's make sure we give them our best pitch. And that pitch might be way better than everybody else's. And you may go for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. and sacrifice their happiness, right? Or just mm-hmm. So I say, just take it off the table. Yeah. Um, I do that in my, I pray like that. And I'm like, God, just move it out of the way. If, if it's not for me, just move it out of the way. Mm-hmm. Then I don't have to worry about it, you know? Um, and that's yeah. the standard way I would say uh, that helps you do that. So then let me ask any final thoughts before we go. I knew I like to do a lightning round so I can just, so the audience can learn more about you, but, um, and I'll probably learn something too, but any final thoughts for people to consider as they're thinking about interviewing for, you know, their dream job? Um, yeah. So I guess, I guess there's a few. So I would say uh, identify your dream job or, and, and the facets that make it up, assess where you are now and, and whether it's a fit, figure out why you're there. And, to, and it's always a good time to move to something higher ladder. But, well, that's an exaggeration. Is sometimes you're just too busy and it's too crazy in your life, but move as soon as you can. And then the other thing I would say is be aware of what your dream job requires, right? So that's the other thing back to your question of what can I do to prepare? That's the other piece. Hey, be able to speak in terms of what you have to offer that dream job. When you, you know what I mean? But also make sure you have this knowledge, skills, and abilities that you need, but not just the knowledge, skills, and abilities, the personality and the mindset and the maturity. 
Because a lot of us don't have that. We all have all the knowledge, skills, and abilities. And um, that's why they have coaches because we, you know, we we go in there and it's like, your bad fitness is all about your maturity and your personality and, and those things. So be working on yourself to make sure that you're worthy of your dream job, right? Um, and that you're ready for that dream job because a lot of us aren't. It's just, it's always going to be a dream and that would be realized if we're not preparing ourselves for it. So in the meantime, when you're working the job you're in now, be preparing for that one in that way as well. That makes complete sense, like preparing ahead of time for what it is and just being, someone told me this one time, just being very clear and honest about what the job is going to require. Yeah, there were some roles that I considered and almost took a couple times that really had just even travel requirements that didn't work with how I wanted to live my life, like didn't work mm-hmm. with the time I wanted to spend with my Kelvin and my daughter. And I, just, you know, even though the work itself seemed interesting, the requirements of that role, being successful in that role didn't work with my life. So I think you're right. It's like you have to consider what all does this take personality energy, like all the things that are around that role. And is that something you really want to, that you have to contribute and want to contribute to that particular role? Because uh, it's been a couple of roles that were really interesting to me. Like I was like, oh, that could be fun. Like, (laughs) I I might really like that, but the the things around it were like, you're not going to be able to do that. Let's just be realistic here. (laughs) I'm thinking about some of the stuff we've both said since we've been, uh, well, even when we're working for other people, we're just like, I don't really want to do that kind of work. (laughs) no i know I, and i don't know it's probably partly just what we studied like being organizational psychologists maybe but i think you're right we've always both been pretty clear on like yeah. what's a fit and what's not <laughs> and being like, okay no. with that yeah no yeah. that's yeah not gonna work exactly out. you know another thing i was thinking about that people gotta get ready for is the liars mm. there are situations where people just need you so badly or want you so badly oh. to outright lie to you about what the organization is, is like so that's why i kind of have ways to, you got to craft your questions in a ways where they can't lie and you can detect the lie right mm. so you got to require supporting evidence because a lot of us have a lot of good skills and they need us um and then other people the situation is so dire they need somebody now because they're so toxic. They can't keep people with good skills. So, so you have to craft those questions in such a way that it requires evidence. And you got to kind of go in with the mindset. You know, you don't have to think, be, be slightly suspicious. And then there's people who aren't lying, the people who are unaware. And they don't know how they are as a leader. And they don't know how their team really feels about them. So they're not lying to you. They're like, everybody's happy. Right. Yes. They cry from joy at lunch. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. They love working 60 hours a week. The work is so fulfilling. But anyway. Yes. So you got to be a little suspicious and, and skeptical when you're listening to these. Keep your 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 thinking cap on and your and your uh what do we call it when we were in grad school? Crap detectors going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you can figure out, hmm, that sounds suspicious to me. I don't know. I don't. Mm -hmm. yeah I mean yeah because I mean that's absolutely what interviewers are doing right you know when I was interviewing people I'm doing the same thing like I'm I'm hearing what someone's saying but at the same time I'm trying to ask deep enough questions so that I can see okay is there depth behind this answer or is it just something you're saying and to your point am I being told the truth like so to your point about going in 
at a more like we're both trying to figure this out, I could see why it's important for a candidate to do that too and to be really thoughtful about that. You know, even after saying, okay, what did I really hear? Like what yeah. what examples did I get? What what is the spirit telling me about this situation? Like, is this mm -hmm. right or wrong? Is this truth or fiction? Yeah, which is honestly not something I, I don't know if I really did that before. I really was going in the show me, like show you mode. Like I was going on mm -hmm. showtime. It was like, I'm here, you know, let me tell you everything I can do. I was very much in selling, but this more balanced approach, I think would have given me so much more insight, you know, about yeah. what I was considering. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think yeah we go into automatic. It's an almost almost automatic learned behavior for us, right? To mm -hmm. to 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 go into that show mode. Yes. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So, and Brian, I guess for people who want to learn more and just get even better at, um, you know, really get better at interviewing for a dream job, figuring out what it is, how to prepare, how to execute it. You have a resource coming, right? On this, like a workbook or something you'll be putting out soon. I do. I do. Um, it's just called getting your ideal job or getting your dream job. I haven't figured out what title it's going to be. And yet I have like four weeks to be finished. So <laughs> getting your dream job, or you can just contact me at my um, email or my uh, Instagram site. And what's your Instagram uh, handle for people? Yeah. If I remember that, I can tell you our name. <laughs> I should just look it up. I should just look it up. I'm sure I follow you on it, but um but this is what I'll do. I'll definitely make sure we put it in the show notes so people can find you on Instagram. Let me just see if I can find it real quick. No, I'm just joking. It's, 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 is your mind right? Is your mind right? Uh, is, is, is your mind right? Mind is your right. mind right? Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's mostly for, for coaching. I just put, put coaching tips up there. Um, and then I offer some, uh, some group coaching classes and some, and then I talk about my individual coaching just because I think, um, our mind is not right to help us achieve the successes that we want to achieve in life. It's not even right in terms of identifying what success is, we, what success is for us, right? So um, I kind of go into a little bit of that up there. And then in, in my workbooks, it's, uh, workbooks, I make the workbooks basically for people who can't afford coaching or aren't ready for some reason to, do, to work one-on-one. -on -one. A lot of us have problems where we don't want to reveal ourselves to any other person in the world. Mm -hmm. So um the tools can help them individually until there's such time as they feel comfortable working with somebody like us. Okay. I love that. Arlene, I don't know why people won't want to work with us. <laughs> <laughs> We're awesome. pretty amazing. <laughs> we, we are pretty amazing. But I love that workbooks. And I just love a workbook anyway. Like I have so many I've used for different topics, Bible study topics, other things. Mm -hmm. I have one on assertiveness, just lots of things because it helps you to kind of think through it, put your own ideas, prepare. So I love that you're offering workbooks on topics that are important to people. And definitely if getting your dream job is not important to you, it should be. <laughs> we want it to be um, because it will change your life if you can get it. So uh, awesome. Okay. So then let me ask you this. What I want to do before we close, do a lightning round, just ask you a yep. few questions so the audience can get to know you better. Um, so just, you know, top of mind. So wait, 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 wait. Lightning round means I need to give you quick answers. Yeah. When have I ever done that? <laughs> Lightning <laughs> round is like 30, 45 seconds or okay. so. I'm, so, I'm yeah. trying my best. I'm going to try my best. Okay, here we go. So the first one is, what is one of the most unique work experiences that you've had? I feel like I'm going to get the uh, family cute buzzer. It's not coming to me. Next question, pass. <laughs> okay, pass. <laughs> On to the next one. Second question. We may come back to that one. What is one thing you do consistently to enjoy your life? Laugh at myself. Mm. I laugh. I laugh in general, 
Um, mm-hmm. But laughing at myself is probably the most important one for me because mm-hmm. it just keeps me in a, uh, a learner's mindset and it keeps me to not taking myself too seriously. Remember, I said, like, I think everybody's like, all humans are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. I particularly enjoy my, my ridiculousness. And yeah. then I don't get stuck in my failures too mm-hmm. often. It's just like, hey, I'm so silly. I just laugh at myself. Um, mm-hmm. Keeping it laughing in general just helps me a lot to just be open to um, all that life has to offer. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And then what is a word of wisdom or piece of advice you live by? Be intentional about my comparison, I guess would be the one that I would say. Um, mm-hmm. So I feel like I feel like um, we make sense of the world through comparisons, right? Mm-hmm. And we do a lot of damage based on those, or we can help ourselves based on those. So like, for example, quickly, um, so we'll compare ourselves to our friends or people in our racial group or our neighbors, and then become quickly depressed if we're not doing as well as them, or we're not as fast as them, or we're not as smart as them. I like to be intentional about it. So am I comparing myself against people who started the race ahead of me? Am I comparing myself against people who don't even want the same things that I want? Mm-hmm. Um, and then the flip side of that is um, I can also be intentional with my comparisons when I'm feeling down and be like, oh, I don't even have a house yet. Mm-hmm. Or I don't, I, I'm not married yet. Or I'm fatter than I want to be. And then I'll compare intentionally with people, the rest of the world who yeah. Some people don't have houses. Some people, mm-hmm. you know, um, have a house, but it's falling down. Some people just lost their home. Some people are 1,200 pounds and have TV shows about it. You know what I mean? So it's mm-hmm. like a lot of stuff yeah. going on that you can be intentional with comparisons. I just think comparisons are the way we make a lot of sense of the world and it affects our mood. So I try to be very intentional when I'm doing it and catch myself when I'm doing it and make sure that I'm doing it in a way that benefits my mindset. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. That's kind of the, is your mind right? what are you thinking about like literally what are you yeah what are you like thinking about what you are thinking about because it does drive so much of our choices and our emotions and yeah that's really interesting because I think we do compare a lot just as human beings we compare a lot so how can I be more intentional about doing it in a way that benefits my mindset I love that I never thought about that I love that I told you you're an amazing coach. I knew that <laughs> Coaching, I love it. So thank you, Brian, so much for joining. Thank you all for joining the podcast. You know, you can find me. I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram at Arlene underscore Pace underscore Green. And until next time, be well. If you love this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. You're also invited to join my private email group where just for joining, you will receive a checklist for getting your LinkedIn profile in top shape and a link to the first chapter of my book. Click join the crew in the show notes. I also invite you to visit my website where you can shop our t-shirt collection designed to help you fulfill your purpose, love your work, and enjoy your life. I have them all, wear one almost every episode, and know you will love them. Thanks so much for joining me on this journey. Let's go. Thank you.